All right, guys, I'm really excited to be able to share with you this morning. Um, but before I do, I uh, just want to touch base on something really quick. As a transition, as part of the transition team, um, you know, the word transition means we're still kind of in a transition. We're looking for a lead pastor to kind of come and, and fill that gap that we have and we still feel right now in different ways. And I just wanted to give you a brief update that we have had a couple of people express interest in that. And so there, that process is still ongoing, even though we don't speak about it every week. And so I just wanted to say that to encourage you guys and also to keep asking for your prayers in this process because that's still going on. Um, and then one last update. Um, so a couple weeks ago, during our um, our time of prayer, during corporate service, we just prayed for the Wakefield. A couple weeks ago, we prayed for the Curiality. And one of the things that we prayed for was um, for them to get a house because they have felt like God has been leading them to buy land in the city. And actually, just this past week, I saw a picture on Facebook with a bunch of people in front of a garage door of them with their house. Um, so they, they have a house. So it's our prayers change things. And I just want you guys to know that prayer actually matters. So just, yeah, it's just awesome and it's really exciting. So I couldn't keep that to myself. Um, so if you have been with us the last couple weeks, you will know that we are still in a series on personal relationship with Jesus and what that looks like. Uh, the last couple weeks you've had a chance to hear from Gregory Hyde and uh, Dean Roberts, and we record all those messages. So if you missed one, go ahead and you can go ahead and listen to those online because um, they're great, and I would totally encourage you to do that. So, but today we're kind of going to be coming at that from a slightly different perspective. That's part of the beauty of having different people up here because everyone brings their own perspective and um, sees through a different lens with what God, how God is coming at it, and, and the things that God's doing in their lives. So um, to kind of start off um, my, my time of sharing about relationship with God, I want to share a little bit about how my relationship with God really kind of got started. I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, so I gave my life to Jesus at a young age. My, my relationship with God started when I was really little, um, but for a long time, it was, um, it was kind of part of my parents' faith. But I remember that uh, I remember when my my faith really started being my own. Um, I was in middle school. I was about 13, and that was that was that was when my family moved. We actually moved to a different country. Um, so there was different language, different culture, different everything, and it felt like my whole world was changing, and kind of ripped out from under me. And so in that in that place of like confusion and dis feeling disoriented, I turned to God because He was the only thing that wasn't changing. But that didn't mean that everything was peachy, right? Like, I, during that time, I poured out my heart to God. It was all of the honest frustrations, all of the honest questions. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends, so I spent a lot of time by myself with Jesus, <laughs> um, like searching scripture for something that would speak to my heart and comfort me in a real way. And during that time, I actually lived in the Psalms. So psalms is just another word for poems. They're, it's just a bunch of poems. And poetry is pretty amazing because um, the authors somehow find that, like, there's a psalm for no matter how you feel. If you're feeling great or if you're feeling in the pit of despair, you can find a poem in the psalms that speaks to where you're at. And so that was where I was living for a long time and, and just letting God meet me in real ways. Um, so today, just kind of going off of that, today we're going to be talking about hard questions. 
and how hard questions can impact our relationship with God and how they, they can deepen our relationship with God. And we're going to be looking at one of the poems from the Psalms to kind of talk about that. Um, so before we get too far, though, I want to acknowledge all of you, right? There's a room full of people, and some of you are in the middle of some really big questions right now. Um, and it, might, it feels overwhelming, and so to hear someone talking about big questions could feel overwhelming, or it could feel relieving, right? You could, you, there's the whole spectrum. There's others of you that maybe haven't wrestled with big questions before, and so it might feel kind of like scary or risky or uncomfortable to hear someone talking about it. And I just wanted to create space in this room for you to feel whatever you feel with this. It's okay um, to be wherever you're at, but it is important to talk about. Right? Because for people who haven't, if you haven't wrestled with big questions before, it's important to like to talk about and to be equipped for when that does happen, if that does happen for you. And then for those of us who aren't in it right now, it's really important to be able to see and acknowledge that there are other people that are in that place. And because we are a body, right? We've been talking for the last couple of months about what it looks like to love one another well. And this is one of those ways that we can love one another well, is to recognize that there are people that are hurting and overwhelmed by big questions. And because we're a body, when one part hurts, all the parts hurt with it. When one part rejoices, all the parts rejoice with it. So we're going to kind of um, just go for it this morning, and um, I just invite you guys into this journey with me. So let's turn to Psalm 22. Um, I'm actually going to read the whole thing, so it's kind of, it's a little bit long, so just hang with me. I feel like it's important to read the whole thing because there's both sides. We're going to see that there's depths of despair in this song, but there's also declaration of who God is, and I think it's important to get all of that. Um, and I'm actually going to also read it. I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to put my heart into it. So when it's, when, when I read the parts that sound despairing, it's going to sound really hopeless. But I, it's important to like read it with our, all of our heart because that's the way it was written. Um, so here we go. And the words will be up on the screens for you to follow along. Um, my God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, 
when there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, with all my bones out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far off. Oh my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the sufferings of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you come the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his greatness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Amen. This psalm is pretty amazing. There's a lot, there's a lot in there, and I want to acknowledge the second half. You probably heard where the voice changed, and it was stronger, and it came out more clear. And, um, you know, this, the second half is in there for a reason. And, um, you know, Easter is coming next week, right? Easter is when we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. When we celebrate that God is a God who makes all things new. But before we get to the breakthrough, before we get to the fulfillment of God, God breaking into our situation, light breaking through the darkness, oftentimes it involves journeying through some measure of darkness first. And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to focus on the first half of it. So I just want to acknowledge that God is faithful and he, he does bring restoration. But before, um, before that happens, we just want to sit in this first half of the psalm this morning. So these are the words of someone who's desperately fighting for faith. I don't know if you've been there before, um, but it's comforting to know that someone has. When we talk about our faith, oftentimes we use the metaphor of walking by faith. 
right? And I get it. Walking is like taking one step at a time, and that's how that's how the faith gets worked out in our lives. But sometimes, uh, sometimes there are times where I feel like that metaphor is a little bit misleading, because walking comes naturally to most people. We don't think about it. We just we walk, and it kind of gives the connotation that faith is easy and comes naturally, and it doesn't oftentimes. <laughs> There are times where living by faith feels more like a battle than a cakewalk. And there are times where questions, whether they're big or whether they're small, threaten to tear our faith apart, and it feels like we're hanging on by a thread. When I read that first part of the psalm, it kind of feels unstable a little bit. I'm almost like a spiritual seesaw, right? Like, God, where are you? But I know that you're faithful because you were faithful to my parents, but, but there, are, there are these people and this is what they're saying. But I know that you've been faithful to me like years ago, but I just don't see you now. Like, it's just like this back and forth, like despair and declaration of who God is. And, and to a certain extent, I know that I can totally relate to that spiritual seesaw. Right? Like it feels, to, to a certain extent, it, that's like the natural outworking of our faith in our day-to-day life. It, you know, like for example, with like little things, right? For example, um, if I get, um, you know, have a long day at work, I'm over here at the discouraged, like, dang it, like I barely made it through that one. Now I'm like, I don't, you know, losing vision for what God's doing in my life and all this stuff. And like, I have to remind myself of what God said about that. And so there's like, you know, we feel that seesaw in little ways all the time without even realizing it. Um, but there's times where that, that seesaw goes deeper and the questions are bigger. And I actually can relate to that too. So I want to share a little bit, um, just like one of those examples for me, if that's okay with you, um, which I really hope it is. You can get up and walk out if you're not. But <laughs> here we go. Um, so about three years ago, this was like, I've already built up history with God. This wasn't the first time this has come up, but um, about three years ago, I went through a period of time where I was deeply um, questioning the trustworthiness of hearing God prophetically in my life. And I want to I wanna explain, like, I mean, that's something that, that we really care about, and it, it's, it's an area of my life that has really deepened my relationship with God. So the fact that after it deepened my relationship with God that I was questioning it again, was just, it felt like a really unstable place for me. Um, And I wondered if the prophetic stuff was real or if it was just in my head. And ultimately I was wrestling with whether or not I could really trust God to speak to me personally and deeply in profound ways. Um, And oftentimes I just want to acknowledge that doubt and these big questions don't come just by themselves. Normally there's like, or oftentimes, there's a lot of other extra stuff that gets laid up on top of it. So for me, I just want to unpack what some of those extra things were. Um, So during that time, I would still show up at church and God in his faithfulness would still give me things that I could, ways that I could encourage other people at church, Um, which was just awesome because God is faithful even when we're faithless, right? But, um, but so as I shared with other people and encouraged other people, one of those extra layer things was this condemnation where I felt like I was like I felt like I was a hypocrite because I was sharing words of encouragement with other people, but I couldn't hear them for myself. And I couldn't really trust God for myself. So that was one of those layers. Another layer was this thing of like crap. Like I feel so ashamed that I have these questions because I've already experienced countless times where I know that it's, you know, been true from scripture that, like, was real. And in the midst of having those, those testimonies, I, I, you know, had these questions, and so I felt this shame 
for that. And on top of that, the next layer, right? It's like it's like being like you know smothered by all these things. On top of that, there's like there's a struggle to share with other people um, because there's a fear, right? On top of on top of like condemnation and shame, there's fear um, that I would be misunderstood or misjudged by the people around me that knew me a certain way. And so it was scary. It was like a scary time to have those big questions because. It felt like there was a lot at stake for me in my relationship with God. It felt like my relationship with God was on the rocks, um, and you know I couldn't control, control the outcome. That's kind of the, the the thing about questions is that they're open-ended. You can't control the outcome, and that's what makes them feel scary, um, especially with God. Sometimes, like it's scary with people, but especially with our relationship with God, it can feel really scary. But at the same time, my heart was hurting and confused. And I couldn't just smooth it over and call it faith. Like, I had to be honest about what was going on inside for me. So, the reason why I'm sharing all of this is because I really believe that um, we can relate to these questions and big questions more than we realize. I think oftentimes when we're going through life, or even showing up on a Sunday morning, we get the highlight reel of people oftentimes. It's almost like Facebook in real life, where you see, like, when you see what people want to show you, and oftentimes I look out and I see faith. I see, like, and it's true. We have there's so much faith even in this room, um, but we don't often see the doubt and the questions that people carry inside, and that's because the doubt and the hard questions oftentimes live in the shadows. We often don't put them to words because the words make them more real. And that's really scary. <laughs> um, so I just want to acknowledge that that there's, you know, it's important to acknowledge that people have hard questions more than we realize, um, and maybe even more than we want to admit that we have them. It's it's hard to go through life without experiencing a disconnect between what God says and what we experience. And that, in the midst of that disconnect, is where the questions come in. Like, how do we bring these together? How do we connect the dots? Um, and in the midst of the questions, guys, it's so comforting and encouraging to know that Jesus can relate. See, Jesus actually asked the very same question from Psalm 22 as he hung on the cross. In a minute, we're going to read that account of Jesus um, when he's on the cross. But before we do, I just want to say that there's actually a lot of things in Psalm 22 that connect to Jesus' death on the cross. Psalm 22 is a prophetic poem that talks about Jesus. And that's part of the things that make me love this book, the Bible, so much, is that it's like it's interconnected in so many different ways because God divinely authored it, and it's so cool. So I definitely want to encourage you to read through Psalm 22 again and and read through the account of Jesus' death and see all the different ways that it connects, because there's there's a lot. Um, But for today, we're just actually just going to talk about one of those. Um, So let's turn to Matthew 27. Um, verses 45 to 50. So those, those verses should also be up on the screen. And this is, this is um, Matthew's account of the death of Jesus. 
And it says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Ilioi, Ilioi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, and put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So Jesus knew the scriptures. And and so he knew that he was quoting or referencing Psalm 22. But, you know, I really believe that this was a cry that wasn't just, you know, disconnected referencing the psalm in order to fulfill it, but it was like an embodied cry from from the core of his soul. Like I said, Jesus knew his scriptures, so he also knew Deuteronomy 31.6, which is where God promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Guys, in light of knowing that promise, and Jesus, in perfect relationship with the Father, would be the epitome of someone that's full of faith, right? And I would expect someone that's full of faith to say, my God, my God, thank you for not forsaking me, right? Declaring faith in the middle of a hopeless situation, but that's not what he does. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's staggering. It's staggering to really let that sink in, that Jesus asked this brutally honest question. And on the surface, right, it looks like it could almost be doubtful, Um, When we just read it, we don't hear the tone of his voice and things like that. But the thing is, is that Jesus asked that question, and Jesus was without sin. And so I just really, one of the things that, um, I just really feel like that's an important point for us this morning. In Hebrews 4.15, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Guys, it's not a sin to ask hard questions. Right? Sin separates us from God. And it's not a sin to ask hard questions, because Jesus did, and he was sinless. And this might seem like a really simple point, but there's times in churches or Christianity, broadly speaking, where Christians avoid hard questions, or sometimes spiritual leaders tell us not to ask hard questions. And so maybe they didn't explicitly say that it's a sin, but it's easy to internally pick up that nonverbal message. And it's just important to lay it out there. Um, so if that has been your experience where you've experienced someone shut you down or shame you for asking a hard question, I just want to say this morning, I'm really sorry. Because Jesus carried the cross, scorning its shame, and he asked, gut-wrenching, brutally honest questions without shame and without guilt. So remember, one of those things that those like layers, those extra layers on top that I was talking about is this like this false condemnation of crap, now I'm a hypocrite, or um, the false shame of I should know this because of my like because of testimonies and stuff. So I just felt like 
God is wanting to break off that false condemnation and that false shame this morning. So if that's you, just receive that, that that's, that's like broken off um, because of how Jesus paved the way for us. So knowing that it's not a sin to ask hard questions, how do we actually do that? How do we, how is it possible to doubt or ask these hard questions without sinning and without it driving a wedge in our relationship with God? In order to talk about that, I think we need to acknowledge that it's, it's challenging to sort through that, right? Because oftentimes we talk about doubt and asking hard questions interchangeably. We use those words as if they're synonymous, but they're not. They actually, there's different connotations that go with that, and that's just important to kind of separate out a little bit, even though it's hard to do that. Um, there are times where doubt leads to sin, for sure, right? Doubting God or not believing what he says easily puts a wedge in our relationship with God. We saw that, you know, in the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve, where they doubted God and it led to sin and it broke the relationship. But there are also times where asking hard questions actually leads us to greater closeness with God. And often when we're in the middle of the questions, it's hard to be able to tell which is which. Um, but that's, what we're gonna, that's why we're talking about it this morning, to grow in discernment about all of that. So on the surface, asking hard questions that fly in the face of truth of God's word seems like blatant doubt. And from that perspective, the question that Jesus asks also seems like doubt. But here's the thing, in, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, God says, he's talking to Samuel, and he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And it's not the questions themselves that determine doubt or faith, but it's what we do with them. It's where they're coming from. If we bring them to Jesus, or if we just mull over them ourselves. God is honored when we're honest. It's hard to believe that sometimes because it's hard to believe that God can be honored when we're bringing him all of these questions that seem to doubt who he is. Um, But this is actually a fulfillment. This is one of the ways that we can fulfill the greatest commandment, which says, you know, God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And sometimes loving God with all of our hearts means bringing him all of our questions, which is scary, (laughs) scary sometimes. But that's, that's what that word all means, not just some of the questions that I think would be easy to answer, but all of them. So just to give us a couple examples of what that looks like, sometimes asking the hard questions, although others may see that as doubtful, is actually an expression of faith, right? Because we're choosing to bring them to God and we're choosing to lean into our relationship with God. There are other times where maybe if we have hard questions and we're not putting words to them, we're not asking them, it might look like faith on the outside because people don't see the questions, but it could actually be an expression of doubt because we're withdrawing our hearts from God and because it means we're not bringing all of our hearts to him. And it's just important to unpack how the the perception of what is doubt and faith is not always on point with what's actually going on in our hearts. If we look um, at the story in the New Testament, 
and keep reading, we can see, we get a glimpse of what was going on in Jesus' heart in the midst of those big questions. So Matthew explained that after Jesus asked that question, he cried out in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. So Luke um, kind of explains what actually was happening when he cried out in a loud voice. In Luke uh, 23:46, Luke writes, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Guys, this is absolutely amazing. When I was thinking about what the implications of this verse is, right? Asking questions, hard questions in the first place can be gut-wrenching because you're putting a lot on the table, you're risking a lot. But choosing to trust in the midst of unanswered questions can be just as hard. It's hard to trust in the midst of unanswered questions. And my normal response when I'm in that place, because I've been there before, is to wait until I get the answer and then decide if I'm going to trust or not. You know, but Jesus, Jesus' words on the cross show us his heart. He's committed to his relationship with his Father. Enough where he would risk asking hard questions, but also enough that he would trust in the midst of, of, of not getting the answer right away. Jesus chose to lift up the weight of the world and the weight of his own soul up to the Father. He chose to trust in the midst of his own unanswered questions. Guys, what does this look like for us? What does this mean for you? What does it look like to have the courage to ask hard questions? The courage to to put our relationship with God on the line, because sometimes that's what it feels like we're doing. What does it look like to have the courage to trust? What does it look like to have the courage to let someone else ask hard questions? Right? Sometimes that feels like really risky to trust God with someone else and their journey. As you sit with those questions, I just want to share that and encourage you guys that going on this journey is totally worth it. Because God is faithful and he's bigger than all the big questions. Guys, asking honest questions has radically transformed my faith and my relationship with God. It has made it real. So, so real. Because if we're willing to get real with God and honest about our hearts, he meets us in a real way that's more real than than it was before, um, before I was willing to risk being vulnerable in that way. So it's so risky and scary because asking hard questions is a vulnerable place to be, but but it's totally worth it. Even though it feels unstable while you're in the middle of it, God uses that time to strengthen and solidify you even more than you thought was possible beforehand. So exactly when we feel like we're losing our faith, it is possible for God to forge it in a whole new way. In order to kind of explain what I mean by that, I want to share a story about, um, about a class that I was in in college. I went to Wheaton College as a student, and one of the classes that I took there for my gen eds was wellness. 
Um, Dr. Walters was my professor. I still remember. I remember something that he shared that I still remember to this day. Um, so he explained that a muscle has to tear in order for it to get stronger. I remember that when I learned this, I got so excited. Because that means if I'm doing push-ups and I do a face plant and I can't lift myself back up, I'm still getting stronger. Like, <laughs> it's so great. Like, if I'm doing pull-ups and I can't pull myself back up, you know, if you let yourself down slowly, like, it's something that still strengthens your muscles. Guys, and this is good news for us because sometimes, I mean, it doesn't, might not sound like good news, but sometimes our faith has to tear in order for it to be, become stronger. James actually talks about this. James 1, 2-4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can become mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is so important for us, because the, the, the enemy wants us to believe exactly the opposite thing. He wants us to believe that when we, we're experiencing that testing or that tearing of our faith, that we're losing it and that we're, it's falling apart and like it's being destroyed. But it's not. It's becoming stronger. So I just want to speak hope to you guys. If you are in that place where you feel like your faith is being tested and you're really discouraged about it, I speak hope into that place this morning. Because God is building your faith deeper. You guys, and when our faith tears, it, we don't have to be afraid of losing it. We don't have to be afraid of it being destroyed because we can stand on Hebrews 12 too, that says Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank God it's not me. Right? Because if it was me, then my faith would be, be being destroyed because I'm not, I don't have enough to hold it together. But because Jesus is the one that's the author and perfecter of our faith, I can have hope in the midst of when my faith feels like it's tearing because he is perfecting my faith, right? It's up to him to make my faith stronger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the band can come on back up, and um, we're going to move into a time of response. But I just really want... There's a couple things I want to say. One is that if you have been in this place of asking big questions and you've experienced the like the layers that I was talking about of feeling afraid um, of being misjudged by people, and so like that kind of makes you feel like you're all alone in your questions, I need you to hear this morning that you're not alone. Jesus is the light of the world and he is sitting in the middle of your darkness with you. Because he was willing to ask hard questions on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he's outside of time, and so he is in the middle of our darkness with us whenever we're in that place. So we don't have to be afraid of being in that place. Whether we're in it, whether we were in it, or whether we're, we feel like we might be slipping into it, wherever we're at. And then if we're, you know, I just want to leave you guys with these questions. What does it look like? to have the courage to ask hard questions? Are there hard questions that you've kind of been avoiding that God's inviting you to pick back up? What does it look like to have the courage to trust? Right? If you've been having hard questions and you don't know if you can trust, what does it look like to join Jesus in saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit? 
And if all of this feels scary and uncomfortable for you, what does it look like to have the courage to walk with someone else through it? I feel like God's just inviting us into, into courage this morning, courage to, to lean in to the difficult, uncomfortable, challenging places of what it means to have a relationship with God that's real. Real when stuff hits the fan in our lives. So I'm going to pray, and, and then we'll have our prayer teams come forward, and, and just feel free to like respond however you feel like God is meeting with you, if that means in your seat or asking for prayer or something else. Um, just be free to, to meet with God however he's meeting with you. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for asking the hard questions, for going there in your relationship with the Father. Thank you for making it okay for us to go there with the Father. Thank you for making it a safe place because you're there with us in the midst of it. And so God, I just release courage to us as a church by the courage to ask the questions in our souls, to put them into words, the courage to trust you, the courage to walk with others. God, make us a people of courage. Give us the courage that we need. God, I ask that your love would fill us, that your love would drive out fear, and that your love would, would embolden us to lean in. Thank you, God.